Hi, this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Uh, my conversation with podcaster and journalist Anna Sale is up there now. She wrote a book called how to Talk About Hard Things. She's the host of the very popular podcast, Death, Sex, and Money. And we had a great conversation about hard conversations in writing, so you can check all that out at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. They are, people are signing up already for the uh, conference in September, their yearly writers conference. We got the early bird special. You sign up early. And you get uh, extra pitch meetings with agents. Yes, you do. If you know you're going to be there, do it early. Save a little money. Do it. You know you're going to do it, so just do it. It's going to be virtual in September still. One more year. Okay. There it is. So it's, uh, well, it's May. It's middle of May almost. And that means just a few weeks. Everyone has what it takes. A Writer's Guide to the End of Self-Doubt. It's coming out. I just got my box of books. They look great, people. Oh, they look great. Ah, I can't wait to share it with you. You can pre-order now wherever you want. Everyone has what it takes, a writer's guide to the end of self-doubt. So my guest, what, oh my God, I just finished my conversation with this man. It was like a roller coaster. The crime novelist Aidan Truen, author of, uh, well, a bunch of books, but he just came out with Seven Demons. What an interesting guy. He'd been a screenwriter. He's written other novels under the pseudonym uh, Nick Harkaway. But this is his second Aiden Truen novel. We talked about, well, just everything. Writing and how he got into it. And we talked a little bit about politics. And whew, he is a funny, funny, interesting guy. And I am so glad I get to share my conversation with Aiden Truen with you. Enjoy. All right, Aiden, welcome to the show. It's good to have you on. Thank you. Hello. Uh, so, all right. I want to get to your second novel uh, in a bit, but I want to start with you. You, uh, I don't know much about you, but I know you at one point traded commodities. You did that for a living. <laughs> Nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> it's, in, in all honesty, I mean, <laughs> the, the bio of Aiden in the world, my bio, is, is yeah. kind of mostly squid ink. It's it's kind of in the water there to to distract you um, because because I was I was definitely trying to to deny all knowledge of of uh, the rest of my writing life. So uh, obviously the implication of Aiden trading commodities is is that I uh, is that I was actually trading cocaine, which is I'm pleased I, and the same, at the same time. I did not it. even think that I thought it meant commodities as in the actual you know not those, well so I mean it's uh, so Jack Price uh my my main character yes. is is, is uh, a former cocoa trader no former coffee trader right um and uh and I mean and as I understand it the coffee trading game is is considerably dirtier than you would imagine there's a lot of stuff that goes down like really you get, you get paper for coffee and it says you have a bunch of coffee in a warehouse somewhere but a lot of coffee is traded without ever moving it stays in the warehouse and it changes hands. Okay. So then when you come to pick up your coffee, it turns out there's no coffee. Wow. The Things dirty like underbelly of coffee. 
there is there actually genuinely i believe in with coffee and with cocoa and with a bunch of other things there is quite a seamy underbelly of these these kind of notionally legitimate trades right now obviously with coffee there's the additional thing that uh coffee is used to pack cocaine and other things like that so that because right. it throws right. the dogs off the scent that's the idea i don't know if that's even a real thing anymore maybe the dogs are smarter than that now <laughs> Um, but but so uh, uh, so that was that was Jack's backstory, and uh, and then he becomes a coke dealer in a kind of a very very uh, non traditional kind of disintermediated coke dealing kind of way. And I should say like, to our listeners, Jack is the protagonist is, of Seven yes, Demons, exactly. Aiden's second uh, crime novel. Although there we go, crime novel. Um, you know, this is an unusual book. We're going to get to that because there's a lot about this book, which is so appealing to me, who is not normally a reader of crime fiction. I mean, I read everything because of this job, but, but oh, did I enjoy this book. And, um, but I, the only reason I asked about the commodities is one of the things I find interesting about the writing life is some people just say, okay, I'm going to get my MFA or whatever. And do, this is it. I'm like, I waited tables for a while. Like I, I'm writing was the only thing. Other people say, I'm going to try and be a lawyer or I'm going to be a banker or something. Okay. Are you the latter? So no, no, so full disclosure, right? I mean, so I had a bunch of little jobs that you do when you're a student, whatever I did. Uh, I, I worked in a, a German metal factory for a couple of months. I worked uh-huh. uh, in a French bookshop um, and so on and so on. But when I actually, when I left university, the, I, I, the first thing I did was I went to the film industry. I was a oh. production assistant, production runner on a movie, a couple of movies. Um, uh, and I, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be in film. This is going to be great. Um, Because that's what you do when you have a degree in philosophy and politics, right? So, (laughs) um, and so I, uh, so I did that, and actually I loved it. And it was, you know, it's that crazy thing when when you're the production office runner, you're basically you're awake, sort of twenty six hours in twenty four, and you you subsist on caffeine and junk food, and you drive around and you do stuff, do whatever you need to do. And I had an amazing time, and it was. You know, I was definitely at the limit of my physical endurance. I thought <laughs> car drove off the road. You know, all those kind of you know war stories of the film industry. Fine, whatever. Yeah. Uh, then after I'd done that for a, a little while, I realized that I was working on these projects, and I was surrounded at the studios by these projects where um, like 200, 300 people will work day and night at the cost of somewhere between, I mean, a, a major, major major production. You know, even a cheap one. 25 30 million pounds yep all the way through to back then 120 yep and all of it is for nothing if the script is terrible and i was like okay in that case interesting I, you know, obviously so you recognize this, what this, that what this industry needs is me <laughs> writing scripts that's going to be good thing, good right so yeah. uh, and, and i was uh in in some ways a good script writer in some ways a lousy script writer Yep. I made a certain amount of money doing it, but I was never produced properly. So I had nothing right. ever got greenlit. So there's this whole virtual industry where you write scripts and they don't. Oh, I know it well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. very frustrating. So yeah. I, I did that. Also, but the other thing is if you do that in the UK, it's slightly different from doing it in the US. And the reason uh-huh. is there's there's actually there was a cartoon in the New Yorker a few years ago, which was there's uh there's UK money and US money in film, but I feel more creatively fulfilled by the US money. Um <laughs> And the reason that you might feel that way is there's much more of it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and specifically, also, there is this thing in the UK, or there was back in the 90s when I was doing this, where the story goes that uh, you can work, you can, you can go to Hollywood and you can sell your work and you can sell your soul and you'll get really well yep. paid, but yep. you will not be allowed to retain your artistic integrity. Right. And therefore, 
the UK market is vastly superior because right. the idea is you will. My experience was that I did not get paid very much and I also did not get to retain my- You got to it, that's right. I was like, I, I do not, I'm not seeing the upside quite so much. Right. So, you know, and I mean, this is not to take away anything either from the insane level of talent in the UK film industry or from the kind of absolutely kind of fantastic people I met, but it was right. not as much fun as it should have been. So, yeah. and it was not as financially rewarding as it could have been. So uh, I was a struggling scriptwriter in, a, in, a, in an attic uh, flat in Northwest London and I was about to get married and I was like, okay, I cannot actually be a struggling scriptwriter right. in an attic flat. In I got to grow up now. And get right? married. Well, not even, not even I've got to grow up, but it's just like, I can't actually live as a stereotype any longer, right? Okay. That is, oh, that okay, is got it, got it. Um, All right. Uh, and so I, uh, I uh, at that point I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book. Yep. Um, and I wrote my first non-crime novel, which, you know, I was like, if this doesn't work, I'm going to retrain because I was still young enough to go, oh, well, you know, if this doesn't, if this whole thing doesn't work out, I'm going to retrain. I was right. going to retrain as an environmental lawyer, which right. looking back, sure. but, you know, who knows, maybe the world would be a, a better place. But, uh, the fun, but the first book, which was, which was my first Nick Harkaway novel, which was Gone Away World, you know, was well received and I had a great time with it. And what I was also, it called? I'm sorry. What was the first book the, called? The Gone Away World. The Gone Away World. Okay. And Gone you wrote world. it as, I should say to our listeners, Aiden has a is a is a, is a nom de plume exactly. And, uh, but you wrote as Nick Harkaway. I did, which is also a nom de plume. So I'm just oh I'm just, what I'm oh this is like inception. I, yeah, I am a walking deception. <laughs> uh, so so that went well, and I just I just kept doing it. I kept writing books, and I was like, oh well, this is great. And of course, the crazy thing when you write books is that the film industry has a completely different relationship with you because you're totally you're author yeah you know you're, you're not some screenwriter kind of pitching some stuff that he's written right. no. you are a guy who's already been published there's already been some kind of cultural gatekeeping yeah. but also i think film is still almost superstitious about books film in terms of they they love it or they're afraid of it both like they don't really understand books. The creative process in books feels very yeah. pure to them and very un, kind of untouched by, you know, kind of the development process, which is yep. accurate. And, you know, and it's, and it's kind of eerie and strange and they get these, these completed products, which, you know, they can either take or leave and yep. it changes the dynamic entirely. And also because ultimately, I mean, obviously you want a film deal because it's great, but ultimately for a writer of books, a film deal is like topping. You know, right. it may not right. be financially, financially, it but, might well, turn oh, well, it just helped. You know, it's very funny about you, Aiden, Nick, whoever yes. you are, yeah. in that in that you are one of the few writers of I, I have interviewed. And I've interviewed probably a thousand of them who talks so close to the voice in his book is <laughs> <laughs> at the same velocity. <laughs> and the same, it, I love it. I, so but I actually what this is what's interesting to me is that, so I wrote screenplays. I first tried that for a time and it was interesting. Right. I came from like poetry and playwriting and fiction and did try, right. and now I write narrative nonfiction. But the point was, I noticed the big difference. And the reason I had trouble with screenwriting, although I liked it in some way, was the prose really didn't matter in the, I mean, it kind of no. mattered, but not really, right? Yeah. And in fact, I remember reading the screenplay for Basic Instinct. I got a copy of it before it came out. And my right. main complaint was with his prose. And I don't think that was what yeah. the studio but was paying attention to. The thing is, now that you've said that, he will just turn up on your doorstep and bite you. Like, you know, and that <laughs> was right. also part of the magic, right? I mean, that 
that was that was a whole extraordinary thing. And it was like the screenwriter's equivalent of auteur theory. Right. It was like Truffaut, and Truffaut saying Hitchcock is a genius and I am like Hitchcock and therefore you can only ever hire me because everyone else was right, right, right. That was a, you know, it was a whole genius thing that he did, and, and, you know, and it was extraordinary. I know. Um, so but, you're familiar I, with that story of how he got the money he did and all that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I read his book which I, about himself, which I thought was also fantastic. Oh, I didn't read it, no. What was his um, name again? I'm sorry. Now I'm what? Yeah, right, Joe right. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. Yeah. No, I mean, no, a bit, I, 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 absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, this is a whole thing which writers get into more or less consciously of, of sort of myth making of oneself. Yes. You know? um, yeah. And, and I mean, we can talk about that, you know, in the context of why I have two pseudonyms and whatever, <laughs> you know. I mean, because there was, I mean, with Aiden in particular, right, doing that, there was absolutely the thing that I wanted to get into, and we never quite kind of got there. I think because my publishers were just horrified, was that, you know, there was a big myth-making element to it, hence the bio, but also in the UK, where I did some writing events here, uh, Aiden, because I didn't want to be picked up as Nick Harkaway, right. I wore a, a full-face mask. Um, oh my so did, God. And I did, so I did events with, with a card of, I can't remember what it's called. Like it was like a chroma key suit, but it was in, uh, I had a blue one and a red one. Right, right. Head and so on. uh, I had a full disguise. In fact, the, the, you know, and it was, it was very creepy and weird. My wife was like, this is the weirdest thing. And she sat in the back of one of these events. And she was like, yep. really odd because I know it's you, but it's right. not obviously you. Like there is something <sighs> fundamentally different, which is actually slightly alarming. Wow. And so one thing I was, I was interested in is that this book, um, the book, you know, I, I almost never have writers read their work on this. I'm almost tempted to have you do it. We'll see. See if I well, give okay. into temptation. If you do, we're going to have an interesting time because I have only ever read from Seven Demons once in my own voice. Really? I've never read Jack Price once in my because normally, as I say, so I was doing this thing with the mask. And I had a selection of kind of fake voices for Aiden oh. because, <laughs> I, because my voice is quite recognizable and I didn't want that. So I used the, I tried for a while, I used a, a kind of soft version of the voice of one of the dogs from the movie, The Aristocats. Okay. Um, so Aiden, <laughs> Hi, I'm Aiden. It's a great pleasure to be here. Oh with my you. God, you were right? really doing a performance art. I was, you know, it was a whole thing, right? Yeah. And I wanted... I mean, I, like, because we were stuck with this thing of not wanting to identify me as Aiden, which came from the most boring position possible, which was just, I had a book coming out that right, year. Right, they didn't want to confuse and- Didn't want to confuse right, the issue. Gotcha. So, so we were just going, okay. And then, so then I was like, okay, I'm going to be Aiden True and it's going to be a whole thing. But if I'm going to be doing this, I'm doing it, right? We're not, right. We're not messing around. I'm going to do this as a performance piece. I'm going to have some fun with it, whatever. And I actually went to a, um, a publisher's uh, garden party here in the UK wearing a black suit, a black mask, black sunglasses, oh whatever. God. Um, and, and I was surprised by how freaked out they were because I really had told them I was going to do it. Um, but they didn't think you were actually, they, you they looked like an kidding. assassin. You they thought, I didn't look like an assassin. I looked, <laughs> I, looked, I looked like an extremely well-dressed dementor. <laughs> and I, seriously, but I think they thought I was kidding. In fact, I know they thought I was kidding because my editor was like still in shock a year later. Right, right. Um, and I think, and I was just like, okay. And it was really interesting because I, I felt like that was something that we could play with and that we could use, you know, as a thing. This is a performance right. piece as well as a, you know, as right. well as a book and so on. And the, so the, the Aiden True and Twitter account, uh, uh, NYGCN, um, is, is very much in the, in the mode of Aiden as this kind of uh, Hunter Thompson meets uh, Gordon Gecko kind of vibe. 
Um, <laughs> and and right now, I mean, just the last couple of days, because you know, because we, we did, we sort of re we've revealed now that it's me. I've right. been having a, 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 a like a smackdown on Twitter with myself about who actually wrote these books, right? right? Like, so the right. Nick Harkaway account is like, well, clearly I wrote these books. You should all now go buy them. Right. And Truman's account is like, dude. I wrote these books. Right. I wrote your books, right. and you are like the weak tea version of oh, me. Oh man, you're yeah. having a you're having a a really kind of healthy schizophrenic moment. I think I feel like you're you're it's certainly. I mean, a it's a gestalt people, moment. You might even say maybe you're or or the opposite. Whatever whatever is the opposite of it's be ungestalt. A lot of people have written back. I mean, you know. I, I, a lot of people have written back to say, you know, kind of, this is this is like a kind of weirdly disturbing. There was one person who said this is like a Stephen King novel from the '80s, where the author is kind of having a slightly right. dialogue with themselves. Oh, but in a it, nice way, she said, which I was very pleased with. Um, well, so the question I'm trying to get at, I may never yeah. get to ask it, is no. um, two things. It's okay. I this is the best <laughs> conversation I've had in a while. The two things. First, this. Um, I've read a lot of crime. I have actually read a fair amount of crime fiction and not all of it is really voice driven. Like really, I mean, that some of them are written in the first person. They have a nice voice, but I wouldn't, still wouldn't call them voice driven. They're more plot driven. This to me is a classic voice driven piece of fiction. I don't know how else you would describe it. If you don't like the voice, you are not going to be, you are done with this book. In a I am in trouble. Yeah, right. exactly. no, you are, you're out. You're right out. <laughs> I said, actually to my wife, I said, it feels a little bit like it was, it was like a, uh, the, okay, who wrote um, Snatch? The movie Snatch. It's uh, Guy Ritchie's movie. It's a Guy Ritchie. It's a book, sort of like it has the movement of a Guy Ritchie movie, but yeah. but not a Guy Ritchie book. Okay, but, but uh, not. But well, but that's. I mean, I, I'm good with that. That makes I mean, sense. You know, the thing. I mean, those movies are incredibly kinetic, and some of the. You know, he gets some incredible performances. Very stylized. You know, you know. whatever. I, I mean, I have some issues with some of the stuff. I do movies, too. But, I do too. Know, but you can't deny the energy. You know, no, you can't. they all just uh, boom. They just move. For right? what it's worth, I think the Robert Downey Sherlock Holmes is one of the best. I do too. I just watched it, yeah. and I was really impressed. I thought it should have gotten much better reviews than it did. I thought it was was quite. I good. think. I, I mean, I think there's always an issue with Sherlock Holmes where people yeah. touch on the Conan Doyle uh, supernatural element. I right. think Sherlock Holmes is out of place, and I always think, and people are always sucked into it, and it's very kind of has a very strong kind of hammer. Is it really supernatural or is it? You know, right, right. I was like, does anyone care? I don't think so anymore. Right. You know, but so I mean, that's a but that's a that's a narrative decision I wouldn't have made. Doesn't mean you can't make it. Right. Uh, you know, we, we so, could be big about this. So, but it has a great energy. And so, when you were when you write this book, I I, I feel like I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Did it start with the voice, and then you found a story for him to tell, or oh, did you so, so, or did you have a story so, and then he told it? So what happened with the first book, The Price You Pay, which is where we meet Jack for the first time, was, uh, I don't know if you remember, but 2016 was kind of a weird year. I do. <laughs> yes. Particularly um, here. But uh, well, was, actually, the, Brexit the, was over there too, it was right? weird here first. This is what That's right. That's like, right. Yeah. You know, lest we forget. So <laughs> in the immediate aftermath of the Brexit vote, which I was not happy with. And which I, I yes, gotcha. Um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, one of the things that was promised to us uh, was that we would become infinitely more creative. Uh, as a <laughs> what? Yeah, basically, what, what, that, what they actually meant was things are going to be really difficult. Oh, so we're going to have to be creative. Right. Uh, yes. Oh, anyway. there's always, yes, mother invention. Right. Yeah. Got it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, but, um, so I was very irritated by that. 
and I was really traumatized by the vote. I was, I, I still am. I mean, I just, I felt completely adrift. Right. Uh, and the thing is, it's permanent, right? I felt yeah. adrift from the direction, the country that I have always thought of as my kind of starting point had taken, right. not even a starting point, it's the wrong word. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with calling it home anymore, right? right. So that's what right. I changed down to. Right. I no longer understand the place where I was born. Right. So, um, uh, and the trouble is, it's not a fixable problem, right? There is no way we're going back in. Like we all dream it, about it. I don't actually, it's, it's true. Like there's no go, this is it. This is no. it. I mean, maybe, maybe when my kids are old, you know, wow. it's that, uh, okay. It, it's kind of, well, I mean, just politically in the UK, it's not likely Politically in the, in the EU, it's not likely, you know, gotcha. I mean, maybe, maybe you never say never. Right. But know, right now that's how it looks. Right now it is just, there, there is no prospect of it. And that is brutal. Right. Um, it just, it just feels like, you know, I mean, you just, you got to imagine that pieces of the u.s have been broken off and just I, away. it's almost you like know, a, it's, it's not a civil war but it has that same kind of like uh, south yeah, war exactly and it's you know and it's going to have all kinds of consequences i mean right now they're talking about the second scottish independence vote if i was scotland i would if i was in you'd, scotland, you'd get out i would be done and like, <laughs> there are so many reasons why they should stay in the uk practically economically whatever right. when they go which i think they will i will just be like I, can I don't, only I don't blame you. Like, right. I just can't hold it. Um, <laughs> okay. So that happens and you're, so and you're all freaked so, out. What, so I've completely freaked out and I started writing this book. So I had The book, so Seven I, Demons. I, so, so no, sorry, not Seven Demons. I started writing The Price You Pay. Price you pay? I had okay. literally just finished a novel. I'd given it to my publisher and it was big and complex and strange and it had multiple characters and timelines and whatever. And I was like, I'm going to write something linear and it's going to be... You know, it's going to be driven by voice, not by concept. It's going to be this thing. And I started writing it, it kind of, it just bubbled out of me. And I wrote it not from, from beginning to end. I wrote the, the bits that were exciting to me. And then I kind of, and I knew where they would fit in. And I had yeah. a sense of what was going to happen. And it just kind of, boom, it just materialized in a very short space of time. Uh, and then I sat there and I edited it. And I, I was like, oh my God, I have a book. Like I really, right. normally speaking, when I'm writing, I don't believe I'm seriously writing a book till I hit about 30,000 words. Okay. Uh, because at that point it can still go away once you right. top 35 40 000 words you know you've basically done it and this is first draft you're talking about this is, you, yeah when yeah. you get 30 then you actually are going to finish this thing if it, well if, if you get far enough into it if you're 35 000 words into something there's enough there that you can write a book right you haven't it's not that you're going to turn around and go eh, actually this is a bit thin right you know, there's there's meat there right um, gotcha so, so I got to that point and I was like, yeah, I'm going to keep going. And then I got to the end. I was like, wow, that just happened right now in wow. front of That's me. That's never happened to you before. That had never happened to you. It's not in that compulsive way. Like it was, it was right. really spasmodic. And, and I, uh, I was really pissed off because of course it meant that Brexit had made me more creative. Right? <laughs> they admit they were right. <laughs> I was even angrier. So then I went back and did another draft where I was even more angry. Um, <laughs> so, but so you're absolutely right. So it was a completely, it was, um, wasn't even exactly voice driven it was tonal and it was it was mood music yeah. and it was you know it came from you know a, a place of of uh rebounding from agony i don't like to write from agony i like to write from i don't like writing to be cathartic for me i want it to be a process which draws on uh, on positive emotions and comes from positive places Good. Good. not least because otherwise you're stuck navigating your own negative emotions that's for right. eight, 8, 12, 16, 18 months, whatever. And right. I just, that's why I can't write horror stories. I just like, I can't do it. I have yeah. a, I have a serial killer story in my back pocket, which I know is a great story. And I sat down to write it. I've done that twice, three times now. I get about 
10, 15,000 words max. And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't live in this for a year. Right. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. You know, I totally understand it. And I think it's actually important for writers to understand. I think it's worth, I have this theory, which is that a lot of writers are drawn to their most painful moments in their life, particularly when they were younger, because it, even though they were in pain, they felt alive in a way for the first time. It was when life got their attention and said, wake up. And so they write about that. But you have to be able to write about what comes afterwards too. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and also, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things about human memory is that we remember the traumatic stuff Absolutely. because our memory is not like right. a video recording of our lives. Yeah. It's a, it's a flick book for like, what the hell do I do in this situation? Um, you know, right. and you and you know, this, this freaky stuff about how the memory is changed as you go, all, oh, as you go along totally. You know, totally. to, to yeah. make you make better decisions. So basically your subconscious just alters what you remember about your life. I love it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I, I mean, I love that too, but gosh, is that disturbing on a human level anyway? So, yeah, exactly. The, the, you know, I, I, I think I think there's a really interesting, mostly undiscussed piece about what effect it has to be a writer working on a story, generally, any story, yeah. because there are emotional ups and downs, and those emotional up, down, ups and downs come out of the writing process into your life. Right. Then there's the the emotional effect of particular segments of story, which will be right. traumatic or uplifting or whatever, and those also come out, and they, they dovetail with the business of, I've been writing this story for five yeah. months, you know, yeah. and they can either lift you up or crush you. And then they, and then both of those together come into your real life and so on. And I think and in the course of a given day, there's also ups and downs. And I feel like there is an undiscussed piece of, of writing life, which is the writer's emotional arc. And we should, we should basically get together collectively, talk about it, write it all down, and then give the guidebook to our families who will be very grateful to know what the hell <laughs> is going on. You know, because I think that's a genuine thing. I think the, yes. you know, the emotional shape of the writing life is, is an undiscussed thing, and there should be a handbook for our families. I, I totally, I, would, in, a, uh, I only write about the creative process. I write books about the emotional journey the writers go through, and I, and I don't so much write about the craft, but about what you go through as a human being okay. when you make something that did not exist before. It's a real thing, and it's as much a part of the journey as learning your craft and how to write stories and all it that is. stuff. It's it is. Well, thing. and genuinely, I, I think, you know, the other thing is that from a kind of, in a non-trivial way, it's very helpful for people around writers to know this stuff. That does um, right anyway that's right you... and so okay so you and so you wrote price you wrote, wrote price you pay, and, and then you right it was tonally driven it was voice driven and it yep. was consciously so and i was thinking of the sort of either jury i was thinking of classics of of you know kind of uh, pulp detective fiction and yep. so on and i wanted i wanted chandler i wanted spillane you know yep. i wanted those those early days stories and i wanted the the energy and the sense of I mean, this is a you know this, this is a, a tonal world and then when i yep. came to write seven demons pricey pay is a very simple story yep. it's basically here's a guy he has this life and then he discovers the seven worst people in the world have been hired to kill him and he's like this is awesome now i get to do all the terrible things i've only ever dreamed about because i would never do them unless it was absolutely necessary because i'm basically right. an okay guy right yeah. but what happens is i mean the thing about jack price the fundamental thing about him is that he is a guy who adapts instantaneously to new terms of engagement right right so you know jack price encountering the covid pandemic would just be immediately wearing like i was uh, i was talking to a friend of mine who was on a flight in January 2020. Wow. And he yep. said the guy next to him was wearing a full paper suit. <laughs> like, 
with a with a head like a like basically like a like a moon suit. Right. Um, and he said, "Why are you wearing a full paper suit? Are you like allergic to everything?" The guy's like, "No, there's a pandemic coming." Yeah. Um, and I'm so I'm just you know I'm just prepared. And this and he obviously thought this guy was crazy. Yep. You know. And now he's like. I want to get in touch with that guy. I want to know who he was yeah. and how he was this person. So Price would be like that. And then he'd be like hunkered down somewhere, right. you know, just kind of having a great time for 18 months while the rest of us have a terrible time because right. he would immediately understand that the rules of engagement have changed. And this right. is what happens in, in Price You Pay is that he's like, okay, so my life's just turned into a guerrilla war zone. That's, he was okay that's with that. That's the way it is. And that's how it is. And, and Seven Demons, he immediately, again, he's like, okay, you know, I am now in some ridiculous way, I'm the Gomez Adams to a bunch of international assassins. Right. <laughs> and we're going on a field trip. Like we're all right. going to the park today. Right. <laughs> and in, in terms of, of these people, what that turns out to be is you have to go rob the most secure bank in the world. Just to give, because, just to keep them busy. Just to keep them busy. Because in a very serious way, right. you do not want these people to get bored. Because right. their right. hobbies are more terrifying than their job. Right. Oh, it's great. You know, like I said, it is, it's a, it's what I love voice-driven pieces because I always feel like the voice, if it's you know, I, I've read stuff that and enjoyed plenty of stuff that isn't. But if you like the voice, it's like hanging out with someone you enjoy. Even though yeah. price is a bit of a nutcase, you've his his intelligence and his humor and his attitude, uh, I enjoy it. And so well done. It was Thank like it's like a roller coaster. I hope you're happy with it. Uh, I am it, happy with it. You I, it, took, it took this one took a while because this one is also. I was saying the first one was was linear in a way. It's very simple. Yeah. This one is more complex. This is yeah. You know, this is Jack Price, but it's also got all these other characters in it. You yeah. know, who, who have their own opinions and their own pathways. Yeah. And it's essentially, you know, it's a bank heist. So you have to do prep and there's kind of stages of a bank heist. Yeah. Plus you're originating. The I mean, the first book is very much responsive. Like someone comes yeah. into your town, they're going to kill you. You've got to stop them, right. whatever. This one is, you you know, you've got to get out the momentum. You've That's got right. to commit the time from cold. A friend yeah. of mine is a parachutist and he said the hardest thing he's ever done was a jump that they did from a, a hot air balloon. Is it because if you jump out of a plane, there's lots of noise, there's air pressure, you jump out and it feels like stepping almost onto solid ground. Oh, you jump from a hot air balloon. Nothing. And it's nothing. You just fall. He said, right. as a skydiver, you're always moving forwards when you jump out of a plane. So there's a right. you, know, you never right. actually fall in the sense of falling in the same way. Right. When you, when you, a, when you jump from a hot air balloon, you, you hang off the edge it. and then you drop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I never thought of that. That's so interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, oh. I'd say I was exhausted, but I'm invigorated. This has been an invigorated conversation. I'm not quite done with it. Go on. Uh, I want you to see if you can, first of all, uh, if people are interested in learning more about you, okay, yes. and your many persona, yes. persona, I don't know what the plural of personas are. I, I where, have no with it. Yeah. Where, do they go on, where do they go on the internet if they can to find out about you? Uh, so I am I am sporadically on Twitter. I took a back seat okay. from it last year because it was just driving me nuts. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm there, so you can find me as at Harkaway or as at N Y G C N. Not your grandma's crinoles. N Y G C N. Which which was a kind of original slug line for, for to describe Aiden Truen, which right. is completely unfair because there are many grandmothers who would be totally down with that. Of course they would. So, <laughs> it has to be said. The German edition, how, uh, how are we with profanity on this podcast? We're fine with it. Okay. The, the, the German edition of The Price You Pay was retitled in English, Fuck You Very Much. 
And so I am the author now. Are you pleased with that? Surprise of a book that is called Fuck You Very Much. Where is it? I have a copy here. I can All show right. You. He's now showing it to me, listeners. He's going to exactly. find it. There we go. I'm now doing that. Look at it. Um, and, there it uh, is with a middle finger. Yes. With a raised middle finger and a, for some reason a very, kind of, very massive biker skull ring. Yeah. So it's, he just showed me the German picture and it's got a middle. Is, okay. All right. So that's where they can find you. Twitter's good. But here's my question. I want you yes. to finish the sentence. Listen carefully. Yep. If writing has taught you anything, all the writing you've done, including the screenwriting, if it's taught you anything, it's taught you what? Oh, you put one foot in front of the other and you get where you're going. Yeah. I mean, the process of writing teaches that. Writing, I mean, what you learn through writing so much more, so much yeah. of everything. But, yeah. but the process, one foot in front of the other, not necessarily in a straight line. Nope, no. But you get there. I like it. Aiden. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, there you go. That was my conversation with whew, Aiden Truen. That guy, he was a, he just went, man. He does. He talks the way he, the way he writes, at least in uh, the character of, of Nick Price. Listen, he was right, you know. One foot in front of the other. It's really true. It's a kind of a cliche. Not that he's a cliche guy, but it, it, sometimes cliches are there for a reason. It is true. Just one sentence at a time, man. One word at a time. That's all it takes. Okay. Hey, I'm going to be back again next week doing this again. I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. And uh, to all of you, go find something you love to do and do it. <laughs>